It's uh, awesome to be worshiping uh, with you all. And uh, as has been said already, it's uh, just such a special time and a highlight of our week to be together, to sing, to pray, to hear God's word, and uh, to explore the depths of our own spiritual walks together. And uh, today we're going to continue and close out our series in the Proverbs called Word to the Wise. And uh, if you are just joining us today for the first time, uh, you've got seven parts before this one uh, that are awesome. This is like coming into the end of a great TV series and seeing the finale, which hopefully will be good. But there's a lot of other stuff that's good, too. So I encourage you, if you want to go online to check it out, uh, there's so much wisdom that we've been drawing from the Proverbs uh, all together. Uh, hopefully you guys will be able to get a chance to do that. Um, we have covered a lot of ground in the Proverbs. We have talked about advice. Uh, we've talked about addiction. We've talked about integrity, purity, planning, words. And today, we can't leave out money. Oh, Got to talk about the dollar bill. All right. So let's jump right into it. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 11, it says, dishonest money dwindles away. In the message, it says, easy come, easy go. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. So I got two points for you today. Number one is easy come, easy go. And number two, little by little makes it grow. I think it rhymes. Easy come, little by little. You got it. We're done. Awesome time being together. I hope you learned something. All right. Easy come, easy go. So let's read another proverb and start talking about this concept. By the way, has anyone ever had something awesome? You got it quick and then like the next day it was gone. All right. Think of that time. I remember the first time I held a hundred dollar bill. It was about five seconds and then I had to give it back. Easy come, easy go. Uh, a buddy of mine actually uh, got me a job one time selling uh, startup business coaching over the phone. And at 19, I had no business uh, giving any kind of startup business coaching over the phone, but I was selling it. It was a little bit sketchy, but I made $100 on my first day in 10 minutes on the phone. That commission came right in. I thought, ooh, I like this. I had the job for five days. Easy come. Five days. Five days of glory. All right. Proverbs 23, verse four through five. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness, although a lot of you guys are very clever. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. You ever feel like your money has wings? Particularly the money that comes in from your paycheck flies away really. Where did it go? Like, really? Are groceries that much? Really? Man, it just flies away. Easy come, easy go. Uh, I was thinking about this concept and uh, remembering back uh, to my uh, wedding day uh, 16 and a half years ago. And uh, this is my beautiful wife in the middle um, with all her bridesmaids and uh, just all of them so happy and beautiful. And, uh, you know, it was an amazing time. And, and these were the boys, uh, much more like... Examine, examine the difference between the, the purity and beauty and then like the scheming. It's like they're scheming to do something. Um, dangerous. 
And uh, one of the things that happened that day is that uh, a bunch of people in the church pitched in and they wanted to do something special and kind of crazy. Um, and they basically rented us a luxury vehicle to drive away from our wedding in and onto our honeymoon. And so we had a Dodge Viper, a convertible red Dodge Viper. And that's me, if you can't tell, uh, looking like I own the thing, right? I mean, let's get a close-up. When you, when you have your wrist... I, I can't say much for the glasses. That was the style then, I guess. But anyway. And uh, this was the end, driving off. Happy as can be. And uh, we rode off to our, our spot and went on our honeymoon, had a great time. And when we were on our way to the airport, uh, you know, we stayed in L.A. one day and then we went to the airport the next morning. Uh, the Viper had to go back to the rental place. But see, if you go back to this picture, it looks like it's not going anywhere. Because it only took me a few hours to get really used to driving that thing. And this seemed very normal, you know? Tuxedo, you know, wedding gown, red convertible Dodge Viper. Why can't I just live like this every day, right? But, you know, easy come, easy go. I was remembering about that, that concept and thinking about the proverb that we read and thinking about Solomon and all of his wealth. Let's talk a little bit about Solomon. You know, he's the author uh, of many of the proverbs that we've been reading. Uh, a couple people pitched in near the end. Um, but as you think about the riches of King Solomon uh, starting to be listed in a lot of places in the Bible, particularly 1 Kings chapter 10, uh, you learn that he was getting about 25 tons of gold per year times 40 years as king, plus all the assets, all the land and all the gifts that everyone else was bringing him. And you just start adding that up and people have and you find some pretty amazing things. Actually, MSN ranked the top 20 richest people in human history. And they worked the math, they included the inflation, they did all of that. And uh, Solomon is way up there in the top tier. His peak net worth is considered to be north of $2.2 trillion. That's pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, to give you perspective, if you were given the assignment of spending $1 million every day, just imagine that for a minute. Think about what you would spend your million on. Every day, you have to spend a million dollars. All right? So if you were doing that, then it would take you over 5,000 years to spend $2 trillion. 5,000 years of spending a million dollars every day in order to get to $2 trillion. That's a lot of money. I'll give you another example to get some perspective. If you spread $100 bills out on the ground that all added up to $2 trillion, you would cover 8,000 square miles of $100 bills. So everywhere you stepped would be $100 bills. 8,000 square miles, just to give you perspective, is also the square mileage of the whole state of New Jersey. So imagine New Jersey, just for a minute. Sorry. So sorry. What good can come from New Jersey? A lot of good can come from New Jersey. Jesus came from Nazareth. So 
Anything is possible. Okay. All of Jersey, which is not right now covered in $100 bills. But if you had $2 trillion and decided to spread it out, that's how much money we are talking about. No one is close to being a trillionaire uh, today. Uh, maybe Bezos is like, what, 90 bill, I think. You know, so nowhere close. And um, it's interesting to start reading about what happened in Solomon's lifetime. All of these very luxurious things and all these projects that he undertakes and buildings that he decides to, decides to construct and all these sort of really wild ideas that he can do anything because he has the cash to do, for, to do it with. And one time, the Queen of Sheba comes all the way uh, over to him to listen to his wisdom, makes this big trek, brings her entourage, brings all these gifts. It's so interesting in 1 Kings 10.10, 10, uh, she actually gave him so much stuff, so much spice uh, from her country that it's never been matched in the time of Solomon. So again, everyone in the whole globe bringing gifts to Solomon, she brings the most when it comes to the, the, the sort of the treasures of her country. And so lots of money coming in. She makes the trip. Everyone honors, respects, admires Solomon and all of his wisdom. And it seems like everything is going great. And then he sleeps with a thousand women. His faith starts to fade. He follows gods like Asherah, who they believe is the creator of the universe. So if you follow that God, you do not believe that uh, God, the creator, God Jehovah, created the universe. So he's switching his belief system. He also started believing in Molech, uh, who was most infam infamous for being the God of child sacrifice. So here's Solomon who had dedicated his life and his wisdom to God and bettering the people of Israel and giving wisdom to the world and even helping people come in who don't believe in God to develop a belief in God. And now because his faith is corrupted, he has gone the way of foreign gods, pagan rituals and jumping, diving headlong into sin. And in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 10 and 11, and I'll give you part of this, it says, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you. Easy come, easy go. You know, it can be tempting to make money uh, or what comes with money the prize of what we do. We study hard, we work hard, and oftentimes, well, why are we doing it? To make the money. Well, why are we doing that? Well, in some ways, we have to think, what, what is money really? Is it really a treasure that our goal is to make more of so that whatever, fill in the blank, it gives us potentially more security or helps us to be able to be more generous? There might be a lot of good reasons, but sometimes we get stuck on money being the end rather than a means, being a treasure rather than being a tool. And, you know, I've heard this said even in the church sometimes that money is the root of all evil. But it's not that money is the root of all evil. It's what? It's the love of money that could become a root, a evil root that could take uh, its place inside of our hearts, creep in and starts to crowd out our faith in the living God. Loving the money, getting attached to the money and not giving away the money because we want to hoard the money because sharing too much means we have less of the money. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse four was tweeted out recently. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth. I just wanted to use that delivereth word from death. <laughs> Sounds more intense, right? So what does it mean? It means that, yeah, I mean, wealth will get you something, but in the day of judgment, you can't take it with you. It's not going to prove anything for you. 
And so we have to start practicing what it means to be very generous and give it away because eventually our life will be taken away and our money will go to someone else anyway. So you want to get good at it now so that when that happens, it's already laid out in a good plan. Generosity has to be a way of life. It is righteousness that will deliver us on that day, not riches. So back to my viper, not my viper, the rented viper. It goes back after 24 hours, but even if I kept it, it's a depreciating asset, right? I mean, you know, even if the engine still ran for 40 years and rust doesn't eat it away in my lifetime, it's still temporary. So I have to learn how to train my heart and my mind and my soul to invest in things that are permanent, that are forever. Righteousness is forever. It's not easy come. It's not easy go. You got to fight every minute, every decision to keep it spiritual. Can I get an amen on that? If you just live your life and think by osmosis, you are going to live righteously. You have another thing coming because the way that things go in the world is that it is tending to pull you into darkness because we live in a fallen world. So the tendency, the default is toward sin, towards unrighteousness. So it is a fight every day, every minute, every decision to be righteous. Righteousness is not easy come. And therefore, if it's not easy come, it's not easy go. Because you have fought for it, you've invested in it. It is something you value, something that you worked hard for, and so something that you protect. It will not be taken away from you easily if we are rooted in righteousness. Amen? Amen. You know, Thanksgiving started the holiday season. Uh, Maybe you were already in it. Maybe you got your tree at the end of October because you couldn't wait because you love Christmas. And amen to that. Um, And maybe for you, the holidays brings up things that are great. Maybe things that are not so great, maybe a combination of the two. I think it's important as we think about this concept of easy come, easy go, fighting for our righteousness, to examine our struggles. What are the things that threaten our righteousness? What are the things that can hurt us? Now, particularly with money, is it greed? Uh, is, is there a wish list? And if you don't get something on it, you're not going to be very happy this Christmas. Is there a jealousy that you see other people getting things, gadgets, big, small, whatever, and wondering, man, why don't I have that? Have I, have I not worked hard in my life? Why can't I have those things? Maybe that's something that's tempting for you. Maybe it's laziness or lust that creeps in over the holidays. I want to encourage you to examine yourself and think through what are the things that threaten your righteousness right now. To talk about it, to pray about it, to get the help, and to keep these things in mind. We're going to continue to go on from easy come, easy go to the next point, which is little by little makes it grow, makes it grow. This is point number two. Little by little makes it grow. Uh, There is a great proverb here. Uh, We read uh, it already. Whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And it probably reminds you of times that you saved up for something. Maybe when you were younger and you got that dream thing that you wanted. All right. Um, For me, uh, when I was growing up, I wanted what everyone wanted in the 80s, which was a boombox. For those that are younger, a boombox is a machine with large speakers. You can either listen to the radio, which is also something I would have to explain, but I don't have time for now. Or you would put a cassette into the deck. And if you were like me and hadn't seen movies like Breaking, you would want to put the boombox on your shoulder. 
and walk around your neighborhood and let everybody know you had a boombox. Walkmans were, were coming out as well, and people were starting to, to get the headphone thing. But a lot of people, they didn't want to wear the headphones. It was a little too inward and a little too selfish. They wanted to share their music with everyone. And how, if you brought your cardboard to the street corner, and if you were going to start breaking, how could you dance if you only had a Walkman? If you're going to break dance, you need the boombox. Are you with me? All right, I think I have defined it well enough to be able to move on. A world existed before cell phones. I know, it's wild. Anyway, it was my dream to get something like the Panasonic portable stereo boombox with cassette deck and equalizer. And, you know, when I, when I looked it up and, uh, you know, heard about the price, it was $100, and I thought, that's impossible. There's no way that my nine-year-old self could ever get a $100 boombox. But the way I remember it, and my mom is here, and we were talking about this this morning. Mama was, is always corroborating my stories. But now that our memories are both getting bad, it becomes more difficult. <laughs> but the best we can come up with is that they had a little bit of a matching plan. So if I could come up with 50, that they would match me and throw 50 in. All right, very generous. And it taught me a lot. And uh, so I tucked away my little birthday money, and I tucked away some Christmas money. And I remember it took a long time to save up to get to that 50, $50 is a lot of money. Yeah. Now and then, not that old, but anyway. So eventually the time came, I had raised the money, I came out with my coins and my ones and I, had, I, I was a champion babysitter back then. I don't know why they trusted a nine year old boy to babysit their babies, but I did. <laughs> I did a great job, no, no one ever got hurt when I was on watch. I, I one time had three little kids as a nine year old, babysat them. Four hours, made good money, like seven bucks. It was awesome. And was on my way to my boombox. So eventually we were able to get the, uh, the boombox. And uh, I learned a valuable lesson. And that is little by little makes it grow. You know, in the moment, I thought there's no way that I'm going to get to that big number. But once you put a little away, put a little away, you keep saving, you're diligent, it does grow. That's what the Proverbs point to as a truism. Uh, typically, you know, we think of little by little as a tool for saving money, right? But I want to talk about this other side of it that I think works just as well. And that is little by little to give money. And, you know, um, we had a big special missions contribution this past June uh, here in the church. For those that don't know, what we do uh, once a year is we rally to give money to our sister congregations and churches all over New York and Africa and also the Caribbean um, where they've desperately needed it, especially this year with all that they've gone through. And uh, the goal for our group, this congregation right here, was about $115,000. That is a big number, $115,000. For a group of 300, that worked out to about $365 uh, per person in our membership. And that first Sunday in June that we collected, you know, we, we try to share the good news of, you know, hoping that we reach the goal right away. Um, and the money came in and it was about, it was a little less than half of the total of our goal. And it was much lower than in recent years. And I thought, uh-oh. But I shared the news anyway. And we were like, yeah, we had, you know, it was still a lot of money. But I'm like, oh man, we're not anywhere close to our goal. But then like every week, little by little, more would come in. And some of that money would come in online, and some of it would come in a check and cash, and kept you know, mailing into the church office. And little by little, over the weeks, it kept growing and kept growing. 
By, by the time we closed out the special missions contribution donation availability uh, at the end of the summer, we had gone over $130,000. That is a lot of money. That is 15000 over what our goal was. It was little by little. So see, you guys were putting the proverb into practice, and I just didn't realize it. You were just ahead of me and more spiritual. It was awesome. It was a great victory. Little by little makes it grow. You know, when it comes to generosity, uh, I think of Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And uh, the uh, pastor that tweeted this out also uh, has this thing in the middle. It says, privilege of giving exceeds the price of giving, which I thought was really cool. And of course, we don't give in order to receive. But the truism, again, it's not an absolute, but it points to this idea that if our goal is to use money as a means, not an ends, to give. And that's also true with our time and our gifts and all the other things that we do. But when that's the goal in and of itself, to give, to honor God, to encourage other people, then we will be refreshed. It doesn't necessarily mean money will come back our way, but there are other ways that God makes sure that we get refreshed. Spiritually is usually where we get those reciprocal returns. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 9, it says, a generous, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. You know, I, I am proud, as, as Al was saying earlier, uh, we give and give and give and keep giving. You know, sometimes I tell other ministers and other churches um, different things that we're doing. And they're like, wait, didn't you guys do a big thing last month? Wait, you're giving coats now, you're giving food now, you're giving money now, you're, 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 you're hosting this lunch uh, for kids with incarcerated parents. You know, you're giving coats. I mean, it doesn't stop. And I love that. You guys are an amazing example. And we are a rally church, you know, we are, we get, we have an idea and everyone gets behind it and then we go for it. People jump up and say, I want to help and I want to do that. And I want to give. Why? Because we know this is true. We know that God honors the giver. And of course, God is the greatest giver. You know, is it a fact that it's a fact that you get spiritually filled when you empty yourself? It's an ironic truth from God. It's like emptying your wallet fills your heart. Isn't that crazy how that works? So the hoarding, the, the opposite, the holding, the not sharing actually drains our heart of spiritual encouragement. And so it's, again, another challenge and invitation for us to give. I want to share with you a story that I heard recently that was really inspiring about someone giving. Uh, this is Johnny, and he's 34 years old. He's a uh, homeless man and lives under this overpass in New Jersey, uh, off the 95. And at the at time that I read the story, um, and when it happened, he had $20 to his name. That's all he had. Uh, he was wearing contact lenses that were in there for months. Um, and, you know, he was homeless. He had been through a rough patch in his life and uh, was living on the street. And uh, this woman named Kate, uh, 27 years old, uh, ran out of gas right here at this spot. And uh, this is a couple of weeks ago. And so uh, she gets out of her car to go and try to get help. Uh, there's a whole story about the, the phone and all these complications. And she didn't have any cash. So she's getting out of her car to try to go somewhere to either get gas or get help. And basically, Johnny ran over to her car as he's seeing her get out and says, don't get out. This is not a safe place for you. 
Get back in your car, lock your doors. I will come back with help. So he disappears. She stays in the car, just hoping and praying that she's going to be okay. And basically, Johnny comes back to the car. He had gone to a local gas station, spent his last $20 on gas in those little, one of those little red things, comes all the way back, and basically puts the gas into her car and sends her on, sends, uh, her on away. She an amazing act of kindness. And uh, she's so grateful, and she has no cash on her. I said, no, I wish I could repay you. I have nothing on me. I will come back to find you and repay you. Now, what do you think he was thinking at the time? Yeah. Yeah. So um, she did come back. She found him, and uh, she gave him $100. And he was blown away. He was like, I was not expecting anything. This is, wow, this is amazing. It's five times more than what I gave, but that was it. That's literally all I had. So he was so excited. And so she and her boyfriend continue uh, to visit a couple of times a week to spend time with and give clothes to and connect with Johnny uh, under the overpass where he was living. And then she decided to start a GoFundMe page and to fundraise for Johnny to see if they could get him off the street and into a home. Uh, She writes in one of her posts, I wish that I could do more for this selfless man who went out of his way just to help me that day. Truly, I believe that all Johnny needs is one little break. Hopefully, with your help, I can be the one to give it to him. Uh, After that post and uh, creating the page, they got a little over $700, and they were thrilled. And they told the news to Johnny, and Johnny's like, look, the $100 is already crazy. $700 is amazing. This is like life-changing. But there's more. The donations started to pour in. The fundraiser shattered its goal, and within 15 days, over 13,000 people had given to the campaign. And during her visits to Bobbitt in those weeks, she discovered a lot about him. Um, she found some old stuff online that he was a US, in the U.S. Marine Corps, that he worked as a firefighter, that he was a paramedic, and then he moved to Philadelphia for a job that fell through, and after that, his apartment fell through, a relationship went bad, and then because of all that, he was really overwhelmed and didn't know how to deal and ended up homeless. Right now, his dream is to get recertified as a paramedic, to start working, to get himself a living situation, and uh, before the holidays, uh, Kate was able to secure Bob at a hotel room, and on Thanksgiving, uh, McClure posted that Bobbitt had requested for her to stop accepting donations for him because so much money had come in already. I purposely haven't given you the amount yet. It's coming. He was overwhelmed by the number, so he literally said, please stop. I can't handle it. And so out of respect for him, they stopped but the page, basically, they, they closed it down for 12 minutes, and they got so much backlash from people that wanted to give, they had to reopen it because people were so upset. And basically, Johnny was like, find other causes, find a way to help other people. I'm sure there's other people. Maybe go back to the overpass, you know, do whatever you can to help other people, because I'm good. And they were like, no, we're helping you. So let me show you a short clip uh, that was on the news um, about Kate and uh, Johnny sharing a little bit about their experience together. 
Yeah, I guess it helped to get back on the way. Wasn't expecting anything in return. Me and my boyfriend Mark went back the next day. He gave him a hundred dollars. I was ecstatic. That gesture of helping stranded motorists is something Johnny has done countless times. How often would you go to see Johnny? A few times a week. Unknowingly, he was about to get hit with karma. What if we started a me for this guy? We set it up in the car on the way home. Like winning a lottery. Less than a week ago, Johnny was sleeping under a bridge. Today, he's been given what he calls a second chance. I mean, of course, you know, I'm changing a lot. Going give a lot of it away. Will you get a house? Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to get a place to live. You know, we have a brand new car. <laughs> no? No, ma'am. Used car? Absolutely. Maybe a truck? Absolutely a truck. <laughs> And Johnny wants to say thank you to all the everyday people giving to him. In two weeks, they've received over $360,000 in donations. At one point, Johnny actually asked Kate and Mark, her boyfriend, to stop the fundraiser. They did that for 12 minutes, saying other people needed the money, but they received backlash from people who said, no, I insist on donating to Johnny. <laughs> Pretty awesome, right? <laughs> I love that, right? <laughs> he already has uh, hired a financial advisor to help him start to figure out uh, how to give portions of his money to different charities, to help homeless people get on their feet. Uh, he is totally funneling and paying forward the money that he received. This is the Jesus way. Generosity of this kind did not exist two millennia ago. It's more common now. We hear about it more, but it didn't exist. 2,000 years ago, the Romans believed in only giving when you get something back. Unconditional gifts didn't exist till Jesus. Real generosity is giving without thinking we're going to get anything in return. That's how Jesus gave. Whether he was touching the lepers or the blind, honoring the sick and the sinners, washing feet, serving lunch to thousands, or dying on a cross, he gave and he gave everything. I want to read this passage from Titus chapter 3 to remind us a little bit about what this gift looks like from God. It says, at one time we too were foolish. Can I get amen on that? Amen. That could have been a couple minutes ago. In Jim's case, in the car earlier. Yes, I know. One time. At one time we were disobedient. We were deceived. Enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing, rebirth, and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. And the greatest and most generous gift God has ever given to us is his son, Jesus. And as we close this message out in just a few moments, and as we close out the whole series, we are asking God to give us his wisdom. We are done with the wisdom of the world. It's gotten us nowhere. We want divine wisdom. We want wisdom that comes from God. Wisdom that's going to help us to be our absolute best. 
You know, Solomon was pretty amazing. He wrote some amazing Proverbs, was given divine wisdom himself. But there's a limit to what he's able to give us. And whatever, wherever there is a limit, Jesus is able to fill those gaps. Let me break it down a little bit to you like this. When you think about Solomon and Jesus, both kings, both given divine wisdom, both sons of David, both triumphal entrances into Jerusalem that inaugurated their kingship, you know, Solomon's case, he took it all. He denied himself nothing and actually greed corrupted him. Jesus didn't take any of the stuff that was offered to him. He didn't want the accolades or the personal glory. He denied the worldly kingship even when his followers said, it's you, you're supposed to be the king. In Luke 9, it reminds us that he calls us to deny ourselves in the same way that he denied himself. And in Philippians 2, it said that he actually made himself a slave. A king makes himself a slave to serve. Both were adjudicators of the highest degree, deciding the fate of lives in their kingdom. Uh, Solomon, if you remember, had a situation with a couple of women. You remember that? And Solomon goes the merciless route. Uh, it was a setup in his wisdom, and, and there was a good decision that was made. But he talks about, well, you know, he was willing to basically let the kid get killed, chop it in half and divide it up. There's a merciless way about Solomon. In Jesus, in his situation, you remember, he had a situation with two thieves. And Jesus goes the merciful route. He saves the thief and treats him like a brother. You know, they're both wise. But Solomon uses the wisdom really for himself. They both have this divine wisdom from the Father and are uniquely gifted. But Colossians 2 reminds us that all the treasures and knowledge of God are hidden in Christ. There is no limit. There is no contest. Solomon allowed his wisdom to turn into selfish ambition and glory seeking. But Jesus gave his wisdom to the world. He gave it away in order to save it. Both kings were given times of peace what I mean is both were given a dynasty of peace. Solomon's was in the era that he was alive in. It was a golden era for Judah during that time. Jesus's was, he was the ultimate peacemaker, reconciling souls to one another and to God. One was a peace that was out here with people. One was a peace that was inside that would last forever. Isaiah says the Messiah is the, is the prince of peace. And ultimately when he returns, we're going to experience that permanent Peace. Won't that be amazing? Total peace. Both were given a task at rebuilding the temple, and Solomon did it, and he built it with bricks, but bricks fall down over time. In Matthew 26, Jesus says, I'll destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days. They didn't know what he was talking about. Are you talking about the bricks? But he was talking about his body being the temple. It was a new temple, a spiritual temple that would be resurrected, and he would resurrect us with him. Both had glory, but very different kinds. They both brought glory to God in their time. Solomon did. Solomon brought glory to Israel, to himself. But there was a ceiling on that glory. Of course, there's limitless glory that Jesus brings to God, and he empowers us to experience it as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it reminds us, when we're all being transformed into his image, the image of King Jesus with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we close things out, remember this. Jesus didn't have much cash, but his net worth, way more than $2 trillion. 
Because his legacy is permanent. His legacy is forever. His legacy is us. There's no price tag on that kind of message. And there's no price tag on real generosity. At this time, we're going to pray for the communion that we're about to receive. Let's bow our heads and go to the Father. God in heaven, we are moved once again by your word. Thank you for the wisdom over the many weeks that we've been able to draw from in the Proverbs. Thank you. You've taught us about so many things. You've reminded us, inspired us, and challenged us about many things. And today, as we think about money, uh, the idea that it is fleeting, uh, easy come, easy go, but you also uh, challenge us to harness it and other resource, resources as a means to be able to give, to be able to be generous, to know that little by little we can make things grow in order to give it away and bring glory to you. God, thank you so much for Jesus. You know, it's amazing as we look in the Old Testament um, and seemingly it doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. We see Jesus all over the pages. We see his heart there. We see us getting ready for him. And we see in comparison how he is limitless in his example compared to every other man or woman that walks this earth. Thank you that we have a savior like him that we can follow. Thank you that he was generous. Thank you that he made himself poor in order to connect to us, in order to relate to us, in order to be able to make us feel the complete and permanent riches of eternity in our hearts. Uh, God, that is what we focus on right now as we celebrate your death on the cross and your resurrection from death. Uh, we take the bread, we take the cup, we're reminded of your body and of your blood. Thank you so much for sacrificing for us. Without that, we would not be here today. God, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.